Hello, I'm John Lustock. And I'm Erin Del Conte. And you're listening to Sea Store Talks. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Home Market Foods. For over 50 years, Home Market Foods has provided premium food products demanded by American consumers. From its early beginnings as a purveyor of fresh meats to its current position as a market specialty provider of fresh and frozen meatballs, chicken, appetizers, and snacks for both retail and food service customers, Home Market Foods has focused on making it easy to enjoy high quality, great tasting foods. So, John, I was reading uh, the news recently and seeing some of the news stories that were coming through, and one of the ones that stood out to me is that uh, convenience store chain Foxtrot, which is based here in Chicago, but, uh, but has a national presence now, they're launching a national delivery platform called Foxtrot Anywhere. Uh, And so they're going to be offering curated gift boxes, uh, top-selling treats and snacks, and they're all pulled directly from top sellers in store as well as what's trending at the moment. So what are your thoughts on what Foxtrot is doing with this delivery platform? Well, I put this out on LinkedIn to kind of get some feedback from the industry and retailers and suppliers alike both seem to like the idea. And I think it's indicative of where the industry is going from a branching out perspective. It it needs to play more uh, outside their four walls. You know, we talk about that omni-channel approach in in reaching the consumers, but I think you also need a multifaceted way to get product in their hands. And delivery seems to be the next uh, big thing for C-Stories now. A lot of them do rely on third-party apps, you know, the Grubhubs and the GoPubs and Uber Eats and all that. And and that's great. That takes away, you know, that, that brings up its own issues. That takes away a share of the profits. It, it takes away that key touch point with your brand, with consumers, because now your consumers aren't getting your customer service. They're getting Uber Eats customer service, but they're equating it with Wawa, right? Or, or Sheets. And they're... They're saying if it's a bad experience, they're saying I had a bad experience with Wawa. Not all the time, but uh, that that's another you know point of concern. So that's something retailers need to uh, to, to worry about. But the you know, and Aaron, you and I have talked about this a bunch of times. The uh, the delivery component is concerning to me because when you look at fuel, when you look at uh, smoking rates are down, vape is down traditional cigarettes are making a little bit of a comeback I hear. Um, you know, even lottery now is uh, available through an app on your phone. You have food service delivery. All of these, while come under the umbrella of growth and, you know, change and progressiveness uh, in technology, they come at a cost and that cost is reduced visits to the store. Electric vehicles, you don't need as many trips to the store. Uh, lottery, that lottery customer, traditionally a very, very loyal customer, don't spend a whole lot, but they're in the store every day. Now they can play right from their phone. Um, you know, uh, electric vehicles, a uh, cigarette smoker, another very, very loyal customer. And the food service customer is a very loyal customer. So now, um, when you have customers able to order through apps and online, it becomes you know, the Uber Eats menu. It's no longer your local convenience store menu, they open the app and now they have 
Chipotle, Panera, McDonald's, Burger King, the local pizza place, the local Chinese place. The, the competition for that the share of stomach and the, that the food service dollar becomes so much greater. So uh, I know your original question was about Foxtrot, but I think this is really indicative of a whole new frontier that C stores are starting to navigate. Absolutely. And I, I agree with what you said. And I think it's also so important that convenience stores do try to, to be in this space because it is happening, right? I, I mean, people, especially the younger generations, are wanting to uh, to order things for delivery. And if a convenience store isn't available on that app, they're not going to see that store. And I think that the strategy, I know I've talked to some convenience stores have said, the more they can be on those apps, those third-party apps, as well as their own app, and be in front of the customer, the more they can uh, you know, drive those habits for the customer. And then when the customer needs a place to stop, when they're actually out in the world, they're going to stop at their store. Because people who are looking to order delivery are probably going to they're going to order delivery from somewhere. That's what they're they're looking to do. Sure, and this is a message that has been, um, you know, pounded home over and over and over. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. Um, if you remember, we had um, a Richard Crone at the NAG conference uh, two years ago, and that was one of the things he said. You know, we were talking about frictionless and uh, new technology. You know, frictionless and new technology may not be right for you right now, but do something. Don't, don't do nothing. And there, you know, history is just wrought with examples of brands that did nothing. Blockbuster did nothing, and uh, you know, Netflix just came and ate their lunch. And look how Netflix evolved. Um, the same thing, you know, Amazon. Amazon started out as a whole different uh, version of what it was, but it just did something to change the game and to, uh, uh, you know, create a whole field. And they put a lot of people out of business along the way. So the worst thing you can do is do nothing and say, this isn't going to you know, affect me. I'm in rural, whatever. Uh, but the truth is that this technology is global. These apps are global. These apps are on everyone's phone. They're available to everyone. And if you're not doing it, somebody else will. Even if it's the local, just the local pizza place. I'm sure if they're the only place in town in rural Nebraska, they're going to get business because they're the only game in town. Uh, finding out though what your balance is, like you said, to capture those trips still and to uh, deal with things like the labor shortage uh, are, you know, big questions that retailers are facing right now. You know, I think it, uh, apps and uh, frictionless and self-checkout and delivery are all attractive because they are short-term fixes to the, the labor crunch. But when you, you know, when the, the market starts to open back up, you better have a real strategy and not a reactionary strategy. It better be a very proactive strategy. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great segue to our guest today. Today, we're gonna to be speaking with Mike Costio, a trendologist with Data Essential. And Mike is going to be speaking to us about what's happening with food service trends and subscription boxes and delivery, curbside pickup, and how that digital disruption is impacting food service today. Hello, Mike. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So uh, for those who don't know, Mike was a guest on our NAG food service webinar 
and it's a great time to be in the um, in the food industry and to have such a cool, cool title like Mike <laughs> does as trendologist. So, um, Mike, the the trends in food service are uh, wide and varied at this point. Um, we're seeing delivery. We're seeing um, you know package deals. Uh, we're seeing all sorts of of great new food options. What, uh, if anything, surprises you where we are today with food service? Did you think we'd get to a point where convenience stores need to be in the delivery business, that uh, convenience stores would be competing with Uber Eats or even <laughs> on Uber Eats? Um, what uh, jumps out at you? Yeah, um, you know, I think we did see that coming. So, uh, you know, delivery wasn't a huge surprise. We saw delivery growing prior to, you know, the pandemic. And part of that was just because of technology. You know, technology really enabled consumers to order anything that they wanted from apps on their phones. We had all these third-party delivery services growing. So, I mean, you know, that was a trend that was growing in the industry prior to, you know, COVID-19, but it just sped it up so incredibly quickly. You know, we saw a few ghost kitchens prior to COVID. I mean, now, you know, almost every major casual brand out there is, you know, trying to put a ghost kitchen into their operation. Um, so, I, you know, just the speeding up of it, I think is going to have huge long-term implications um, we just did a, a mid-year trends report. So, you know, kind of looking back at what happened in the past six months and then looking at, you know, what we think you should know for the next six months and even into 2022. And part of it, we asked 10 questions about consumers post-COVID habits. You know, what do you think you're going to do post-COVID? What are you looking forward to? And one of the questions was, you know, do you think you're going to, um, you know, order delivery quite as often? And, you know, um, I believe the percentage, I actually have it right here, I can pull it up. Um, the percentage was something like 66% um, of consumers said that they won't need to order delivery as much in the year ahead. Um, part of that is because the expense. So that tends to be the number one reason that consumers say um, they're turned off by delivery services. Um, but that's still a third of consumers who say that they're going to keep ordering it as much or even more than they did in the past year, which is a good percentage. And some of it too is, you know, that 66% of consumers, I think, can be swayed to some extent. If we can get those costs down, um, you know, we can, you know, move them over to the delivery side. Um, I think, you know, overall, I think the hard part right now is, you know, we thought we would be, you know, kind of past COVID, everything would be getting back to normal. The thing that we heard from consumers over and over again was they're so excited for new options. You know, they're excited to, you know, go out to um, food service locations again to order more exciting food again. They're kind of bored with some of the comfort foods that they've been eating. And so, you know, we kind of anticipated the fall and into the winter was going to be, you know, all this exciting innovation that consumers, um, you know, really grab gravitated towards. And instead, you know, things are shutting down again. We're seeing, you know, restaurants putting mask mandates back, um, you know, up again. And so um, that's really thrown everything up into the air. So, um, you know, we've been doing COVID research since um, last March. And, you know, the things that consumers keep telling us right now are, you know, they're kind of worried again. They're, you know, we've seen the number of consumers saying that they're they're staying inside and not going out to restaurants and food service locations again start to tick up. So I think that's kind of um, a worrisome thing happening right now. I have a, a number here, Mike, the from Debt Essentials SNAP keynote report. So you were saying just now, I think you said 66% looking forward are, are considering delivery. The number I have is 86% of the general population had gotten delivery, pickup, drive-through, or a meal kit service 
um, you know, in the in the past year. So I think that's interesting that like the number looks like it's maybe going down a little bit, but uh, with COVID being uncertain, maybe it'll it'll continue to climb. Absolutely, and I think part of it too is the infrastructure is going to be in place in the future for delivery or pickup or takeout. Um, I mean, we've seen, you know, a number of C-store chains adding, you know, takeout windows and pickup windows. Um, you know, they're all moving into the delivery space at this point. You have third-party delivery services like GoPub. So, I mean, particularly for, particularly for younger consumers who are really comfortable with, you know, technology, and so much of this is driven by technology, all that infrastructure is going to be in place in the future for them to just order whatever they want and stay at home. So, I think, you know, that's something that's really going to kind of push their hands in the future. Mm -hmm. So that begs the question, Mike, is Uber Eats and DoorDash or uh, are these third-party delivery companies competitors to C-stores or are they complements to C-stores? That's a good question. Um, you know, when we ask operators, the operators really have a love-hate relationship with the third-party delivery services. On the one hand, particularly in the past year, they really appreciate the fact that it could get them into delivery really quickly. They didn't have to build out an app. They didn't have to, you know, build out that delivery infrastructure. Um, and they liked, you know, the increased sales. So, you know, from that standpoint, operators, you know, they're a partner. Um, on the other hand, I mean, the fees are just, you know, in many cases insane for, you know, whether you're a C-store operator, restaurant operator, whatever it may be. And so, um, you know, some operators we were seeing, they, it wasn't sustainable for them, you know, even with the increased sales, um, they were still losing money. So, I mean, for the C-store, I, I think overall delivery is going to be certainly an enhancement, whether third-party delivery services um, continue to be that enhancement or, you know, it's the major chains building out their own delivery infrastructure or those third-party delivery services, um, you know, decreasing fees or kind of rethinking, um, you know, what they're charging operators, I think remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. The concern I have with all of this is that when you start ordering from a third party, that interaction now with your brand it, it, in the consumer's mind, say I ordered mm -hmm. from the Wawa or Sheets uh, and it's serviced by Uber Eats to the customer, it, right? It's still Wawa. If they have a mm -hmm. bad experience, mm -hmm. they're saying, man, Wawa really messed this up or, you know, Sheets or Bob's Convenience, whomever. Uh, they don't necessarily hold Uber Eats accountable. Mm -hmm. uh, do they, or do you, you know, how, how do you think the customer sees that interaction? No, you're right. From, from the research that we've done, that's exactly what happens. Consumers, um, actually consumers, they, I believe the largest percentage of consumers blame both parties. So they okay. blame both the third party delivery service and the operator themselves, um, which, but like you said, you know, I mean, the operator doesn't have any control over that delivery process and they're still being dinged for it. So um, I absolutely agree with that. I also think too, um, you know, for a lot of these things, um, when we, you know, ask consumers what have been pain points, they also really expect, you know, to get the same quality that they get if they come into your store. I believe it's over 90% of consumers say that they expect the same quality from delivered foods as they do if they were coming into your operation, which is a really high bar to clear, you know, I mean, depending on how far it travels, depending on, you know, that third-party delivery person, how they treat the food. And so, you know, it's not only that they're going to blame you, but they really expect, you know, high-quality food from you. Um, and then, you know, a lot of cases, you don't necessarily have control over that. Yeah. 
and the shortage of drivers and the labor crunch isn't helping because it probably takes longer for the food to get there, longer to be prepared, longer to get there. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I order delivery all the time. And I mean, I would say there have been multiple occasions where I live in Chicago, you know, there's restaurants all around us, tons of third party delivery drivers and multiple, you know, occasions where I've had it take over 90 minutes to get food delivered. At that point, I could have just went and got it myself. Mm -hmm. I'm also in Chicago, Mike, and I know you were talking about this once before, you know, that delivery looks really different, right, depending on if you're in an urban area, if you're in a rural area or a suburban area, you know, delivery might not be quite what it is when you live in Chicago. What, what, is, what do you see when you look at the different areas, you know, rural, suburban, urban, uh, as far as delivery trends and kind of what's available and what customers are demanding from that segment? Sure. So, I mean, in an urban area, obviously, you just have so many options and they can come to you um, incredibly quickly. You know, uh, you in your own neighborhood, you probably have a ton of restaurants, a ton of C-stores, um, you know, a ton of retail locations offering delivery and can, you know, probably in general get there in 30 minutes or less. If you're in a rural area, it's probably, you know, a lot of those chains or, you know, C-store operators that you, um, you know, relied on for delivery in the past. So a lot of the pizza chains, you know, are offering delivery. It's just, you know, harder for them to really make delivery worth it. You definitely don't have that labor base to offer third-party delivery and just be available all the time. Um, you know, for something like Uber Eats, where they're already doing, you know, Uber deliveries of people, um, you know, they can use those people to, you know, also deliver things in the city. You don't necessarily have that, you know, um, Uber delivery driver in a rural area. Um, but, you know, that could change to some extent. You know, we do see a number of brands, um, you know, moving into commissary kitchens where they can, you know, um, you know, make a bunch of stuff in this one location. Um, and, you know, some of those are in more rural areas or, you know, at least in some of those, you know, um, you know, second or third tier cities in, you know, the Midwest, let's say. Um, we do, and that's particularly true for um, ghost kitchens and, um, you know, virtual brands where they're just creating a bunch of food for a bunch of different brands in one location. So, um, so that makes sense. I think in the future, you know, for a rural location, it's probably going to be more pickup and delivery windows that really make the most sense for them. And then for urban locations, I think you're still going to see that reliance on delivery. One of the things we uh, wrote about this week, and you probably saw this in other Chicago uh, company Foxtrot is getting into uh, gift baskets and uh, national food delivery. Uh, have, did you see that story? And what do you make of that? Is that them just being innovative and trying to expand their business? Or do you think that's uh, kind of a business model decision where they want to kind of get into the, the, the mail order slash delivery uh, arena? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think I mean, if we've seen anything in the past year, it's, and this was happening before COVID, I mean, it's the really breaking down of segments and what they offered. I mean, even before the pandemic, we saw, you know, restaurants offering retail products. We saw, you know, C-stores offering restaurant products. And I mean, now that's, you know, more true than ever. You know, we've saw restaurants in the past year having to get into groceries and they were packaging their food so you can buy, you know, retail products from your local restaurant. And so, I mean, just the lines between every segment are totally broken down. So I think on the one hand, yes, I think everybody, it's, you know, almost kind of like the wild, wild west out there where every operator is just trying to do everything under the sun, see what sticks, see what works for them and do it early. You know, they don't want to be left behind if, you know, one of these new innovations does really catch on with consumers. 
I think too, you know, for a lot of these, you know, Foxtrot is growing incredibly quickly. Um, and they, they have a great model. You know, the ones here in Chicago are beautiful stores. Their delivery does really, really well for them. Um, I think, you know, for something like that, I mean, it's all about growth now. So, you know, what are the areas for them that they could get into um, that'll allow that growth? Mm -hmm. And I love their gift box idea. I know, you know, during the pandemic, Chicago especially was locked down for a bit of it. And, you know, when people had birthdays or other occasions and I couldn't just kind of go over and, and celebrate with them, I loved being able to send somebody a gift box from a company. And if a place like a convenience store has that option where you can kind of mix and match some more upscale items with just some snacks and, and chocolate and things, I think that's a, a really cool idea. Um, and it also kind of gets us into the, the concept of subscription boxes, because along with, you know, gift boxes kind of trending, subscription boxes have been a thing that has been trending in all sorts of different areas. Mike, can you talk at all about, you know, how subscriptions might or might not work in the convenience store arena? Like, is, is that something that convenience stores could try to do? Or do you think that's, that's not really going to work in this channel? No, absolutely. I think it will work. We did a report a couple months ago on subscriptions overall in the industry. And one, I think, a surprising statistic was um, one out of five millennials were already participating in some type of restaurant subscription um, uh, on a monthly basis. So whether that was, you know, they were getting coffee once a month and they paid one fee or they were doing a wine subscription with their local restaurant. Um, I mean, 20% of millennials were doing it. And so, and we saw, you know, real interest across the board from consumers for subscription services from food service locations. I think for C stores, um, you know, the option, you know, kind of the low hanging fruit option is coffee. Certainly, you know, we saw Panera start offering their coffee subscription service. Um, you know, that was the number one offering when we tested it that consumers were interested in. Um, they were also interested in dinner subscription services. So, you know, pay one amount and you can get dinner from a food service location once a week. I know that's been a big push for C-Stores this year is, um, you know, kind of increasing that dinner day part. Um, there's a lot of interest from consumers for subscriptions overall, younger consumers in particular, and they're familiar with the platform already. They all, you know, kind of pay for, um, you know, Netflix and virtual subscriptions. They're used to, you know, kind of those recurring fees. Um, so no, I, I absolutely think it's an offering. And even if it's not something in the short term for a C-Store operator to consider, I think in the long term, um, it should be in their playbook. And Cumberland Farms has a, as they call it, a cup subscription uh, program. I think it's $25 per month for coffee, iced coffee, tea, hot chocolate, and the, uh, the machine cappuccino drinks. I mean, it makes so much sense, yeah, particularly for C-stores where you have that customer base who maybe stops at your location every morning on the you know way to work or where it's you know near their neighborhood uh, you know it makes total sense particularly for those those loyal customers yeah and actually this is something Aaron and I had been discussing quite a bit the subscription uh obviously you know you're getting their money up front and you're kind of getting a captive audience kind of like a uh, you know a company branded gift card if you have a Cumberland Farms mm -hmm, gift card mm -hmm. you know they have to come uh, use it at your store but the the rise of electric vehicles the rise of delivery the rise uh, you know the of things like uh online lottery programs because lottery mm -hmm. customers are very loyal customers uh reduced number of smokers you know vape, uh, mm -hmm. is now, mm -hmm. these are all things that take away visits from mm -hmm. the convenience store mm -hmm. and that 
is something that I don't think we're talking about enough. I, I, you know, C stores have always had that built-in uh, hook, and that's mm -hmm. it was gasoline. If you drove, yep. you needed to go to a convenience store. But uh, you know, if you look at the numbers, they need to, they, you know, you're going to need to start changing your game, getting into charging stations, and uh, not counting on that gasoline customer long term. You know, in mm -hmm. ten years, the number of electric vehicles is going to is projected to like double. Yeah, uh, and that is a daunting uh, number. So absolutely, food, right? and then you might you you've been a, a proponent of that food is what's going to get people through, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if they're having it delivered. That's a concern. Mm -hmm. so what do you think? Long-term, tell me long-term, uh, how do we keep those food customers coming to our stores? I mean, I think, well, I'll start with short-term just because that made me think of another recent report that we did on supermarkets. And I think one of the things that we thought we would see over the past year, actually um, my colleague, Ann Galladay, who put this report together, she said this, this was the biggest surprise from the report for her, was she thought over the course of the pandemic that um, you know, all of kind of supermarket shopping would really have condensed around traditional supermarkets. Um, you know, people were just going to that traditional supermarket location to get the retail products that they needed. You know, maybe they stopped in the prepared foods department, um, you know, which would have been different from what we were seeing prior to that. Prior to that, we were seeing, um, you know, uh, consumers really splitting their, uh, you know, purchasing habits across a wide variety of stores, gourmet stores, big box centers, um, C stores, you know, across kind of um, all these supermarkets. Instead, we saw that continue to grow over the course of the pandemic and consumers are only fragmenting their purchasing more. So, you know, less consumers are going to that traditional supermarket um, and more are going to every other single category that sells retail products. And that includes C stores. So there is kind of this opportunity right now to capture these consumers who, you know, are not necessarily going to that traditional supermarket as often. Mm -hmm. And then two, it's just what you said, you know, when we look at, you know, consumer occasions for prepared food offerings at C stores, um, number one is, um, you know, they consider it to be a really good option for road trips, you know, that's kind of a top of mind option for them, which what, you know, in the past year was, you know, super, um, you know, beneficial for C stores is the year of the road trip. But just under that, it was, you know, snacking occasions and foods to hold me over, you know, that's why consumers said that they were going to a C store for those two, uh, you know, occasions. And so I think, you know, one, you know, I mean, snacking is just the way we eat. The average consumer eats four to five snacks a day. Those snacks tend to be things like whole slices of pizza, um, you know, half of a burger. So it's not even necessarily a bag of chips or what we might, you know, traditionally considered to be a snack. It tends to be things that we might consider to be a meal option. So, you know, sea stores really are top of mind for some of those snacking occasions, uh, for some of those between meal occasions. And then, I mean, yeah, overall, I mean, food service is how, you know, almost any segment in the industry is going to win. Um, you know, we're a nation of foodies. People love, you know, really interesting, exciting foods. Um, you know, the types of brands that we see growing that really resonate with younger consumers are really, you know, exciting new options. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely think, um, you know, for C-Stores, food services is going to be at least a big part of how they win. I also think an opportunity for C-Stores is the fact that they can offer those mixed occasions, whether that's in the store or whether that's through delivery. You know, we see all of these third-party delivery services. You know, DoorDash now offers that service where you can add on products 
from a nearby store if you're ordering something from a restaurant. Well, a C-store has that built in already and consumers love those mixed occasions. They love to be able to, you know, get that burger or that taco from your, um, you know, your C-store, but then also add on those retail products to it, whether it's, you know, that milk for tomorrow morning's breakfast or even just uh, a drink or a beer that they really love for dinner that night. So um, that's something that, you know, only C-stores can really offer. And you said the magic word, uh, beer. Uh, I've heard good things about that. Good things. Yeah, I'm going to have that on my list of things to try. So I'll. I'll... <laughs> well, and uh, so we just um, released our new menu trends data. So if you know Data Central, we have a, a database called Menu Trends, which is kind of how the company got started. And it's a database of 100,000 menus across the country. We update it once a year, and it allows us to see what's happening on the American menu. And two years ago, the fastest growing single item on menus across the country um, was a brand, which was White Claw. And mm -hmm. then um, in 2020, that was overtaken by all the plant-based burgers. So the Impossible Burgers, the Beyond Burgers. And then in the last year, White Claw, um, you know, kind of retook its top spot. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, that brand alone has just grown so much on menus. Hard sells are alone growing so much on menus. Um, and it makes that, you know, everybody was trying to do delivery. They wanted something trendy. Um, you know, it's a ready to drink option. So, um, you know, of course it was growing on menus. That I, I'm talking to a lot of retailers these days and distribution is a major problem. Mm -hmm, They're mm -hmm. getting products, just like everything, you know, wood, gondolas, uh, <laughs> I mean, everything. If you're building a store, they're having to order product or supplies six months out. Uh, but uh, White Claw was one of those things that they're just having a hard time keeping in stock, their own allocation, things like yeah, that. Yeah, and we do, we see because, partly because of that, we see a number of other brands growing really quickly. Truly is a brand that I think is in the top 10 of the fastest growers on menus, though. So uh, in addition to uh, food delivery, and you, you mentioned uh, snacks, do you see any other, just from your tracking, any other uh, products that uh, CSTOR should be watching that, that you know could potentially be delivered. Is it and, and what I mean by that is it just like a, a single cup of coffee? Is it meals? Is it uh, CPG products? I mean, what what are customers having delivered? Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, overall, I, mean, I would say C-stores are in a good place when it comes to delivery because a lot of the options that they offer are very delivery friendly. Um, you know, I think a lot of people thought that there was no way consumers were going to have a single cup of coffee delivered. And then, um, you know, the pandemic just kind of went on and on for so long. Consumers kind of said, you know, I want that, that great option from, you know, my local coffee shop or Starbucks or wherever it may be. And so they, you know, they did start to order some of those single offerings. I mean, the biggest pain point there is the, the delivery fees. You know, if you order a yeah. coffee that's four or five bucks, the delivery fee is two to three bucks. By the time you tip, um, you know, your coffee is twice the price. So that's the real pain point for a consumer when, you know, um, they're ordering a single offering. So, you know, any of those yeah, options where they can get a full meal or, you know, if you're partnering with a, a third party delivery service and can drop some of those fees, um, you know, that's key. Um, as far as what, you know, consumers should offer now and in the future, I mean, the low hanging fruit for C-stores are pizza, french fries, cheeseburgers, tacos, salads, and nachos. Like those are the top ones. Um, consumers love them. You know, if you don't have them on the menu, every single thing that I just mentioned, 80% of consumers are higher say that they love or like those items. Um, you know, actually, I think 
a C stores are more likely to offer cheeseburgers on the menu than pizza, um, but actually you should offer pizza and even French fries before you offer cheeseburgers, um, just because those two options are even more popular with consumers. As long as we've been, you know, fielding data with consumers, pizza has been in, you know, the top. For the longest time, it was consumers' most loved food overall. I think now they say it's fruit, just under that is ice cream, and then um, just under that is pizza now, so. I mean, that's the low hanging fruit. Um, you know, there was an article that I did for you guys for C-Store Decisions Magazine on some of the opportunities where we saw big gaps in what consumers wanted versus what C-Stores were offering. Some of those were, you know, very delivery friendly and some weren't. I think, you know, the top gap that we saw was frozen yogurt and hand scooped ice cream. So, you know, over half of consumers wanted to see those options at the C-Store. But I think, I mean, it was single, digit, single digits, the number of C-Stores that offered it. But that's such a difficult thing for, you know, a C-Store to do deliver. I mean, you know, it's just going to melt by the time it gets to the consumer. Hmm. Whereas some of the things like tacos, burritos, um, you know, meaty options, um, smoked meat, you know, those were things that were key, you know, opportunities for C-Stores that also really deliver well. I can tell you ice cream is probably my most delivered thing during the pandemic. Really? <laughs> yes. I mean, so what is it? Single, is it wait, single serve or like a, a gallon? Like really like a like a Ben and Jerry's pint or a okay, couple yeah, pints for yeah. my husband and myself, you know, and especially even if we were going to order something else from a convenience store, you know, we would throw out throw that on. Oh, get some ice cream because it was just I don't know. It was just something that we ate a lot in the in the pandemic, I guess. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, like a, a retail product that absolutely makes sense. Um, I mean, we thought, you know, um, I forget which of the, the third party delivery services has that scoop shop on their, their platform, which is, you know, your local C-Store um, kind of rebranded as a virtual brand called the scoop shop. And so you could get, you know, some of those pints delivered. I mean, we saw that over and over in the past year that consumers are really looking for those little ways to treat themselves while they were at home and they couldn't go out. Um, so, you know, a lot of those options that, you know, were kind of a, a premium treat um, did really well in the past year. What, what I'm really curious about, you know, we've been talking about coffee and coffee delivery, and obviously a lot of people were having their, their coffee delivered during the pandemic. And now that a lot of people around the country are going back to the office at least a couple days a week, what are you seeing, Mike, or anticipating seeing with that morning day part? Because um, I know a lot of convenience stores talked about, you know, losing some of that morning day part business. Some of them, you know, made up for some of that online with delivery or curbside pickup. What are you seeing going forward with that? Yeah. So on the one hand, I don't think we'll see at least in the short term or even in the next five to 10 years. And, you know, it is looking like this could be somewhat of a permanent change is that, you know, I think we are for, you know, uh, large sections of at least white collar industries going to be kind of a remote first um, kind of, you know, country for a while. So uh, I think, you know, that's absolutely going to impact, um, you know, some consumer behaviors in the future. I think, you know, as consumers go back to work, though, I mean, one of the things that we saw over and over with consumers is that they really, really love um, you know, some of those prepared food beverages or, you know, next level coffee options beyond, you know, um, hot coffee. So just brewed coffee. Uh, that's where all the growth is in the industry. Consumers rate them really highly. Um, you know, they treat themselves on those options all the time. Um, you know, I, I know C-Stores offer, you know, a lot of brewed coffee options, but this is a true opportunity for them. If you don't have some of these frappes, you don't have some of these cold beverages. Uh, I mean, you should, I mean, that's where a lot of your innovation work should be at this point. 
I mean, Starbucks even says, you know, they sell more cold drinks now than they do, um, you know, brewed coffee. So this is kind of where the opportunity really is in, in a lot of those cold premium beverages. Across be a breakfast overall, you know, um, consumer or C-store operators told us in the past year that their number one fastest growing item on menus were breakfast sandwiches, actually, which is kind of surprising because, you know, like you said, consumers weren't going to the office. They weren't necessarily, you know, um, you know, waking up to get those, you know, away from home breakfast occasions. But we think part of that is because, you um, Consumers weren't necessarily going to the restaurants that they, you know, were used to near the office. They would go to that C store that was nearby. We also asked operators, you know, why do you think that consumers were purchasing more, you know, foods and beverages from you in the past year? And the number one reason that C store operators said was that because they thought consumers were trading down a little bit, you know, is a little bit more of an affordable option for them. And so, um, you know, maybe in the past they had gone into the office, they had stopped at their local restaurant and got that, you know, um, breakfast sandwich option. Well, now they stayed close to home and, and they got that, you know, a little bit um, less expensive expensive option at their local C-store. So that was a great opportunity. And they were probably really wowed by it. You know, C-store food service, we continue to see ratings for it increase. And so, you know, that really bodes well. They probably really enjoyed that um, breakfast sandwich. Um, you know, it was probably at a great price point. And so, you know, it could be a long-term win um, for a brand that captures that consumer right now. So if I can, I'd like to go back to, to something real quick that you had mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, and that was about the, the, the single serve cup of coffee, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a bigger trend than I think people realize. There mm -hmm. are a lot of people that order a single cup of coffee, mm -hmm. to, whether it's to a school, a sporting event, or just sitting in the backyard. Um, I don't want to discourage uh, people from doing stuff like that, but if you're a convenience store, that is not a trend going in the right direction, I don't think, because that coffee customer is someone that you want to come into the store, as we mentioned earlier, and, you know, because when they're in the store, they can buy a donut or a pack of cigarettes or a, you know, a candy bar or something like that, mm -hmm. and, you know, boost those incremental sales, and now they're the customer is showing a propensity to spend twice as much and not come to your store, right? Mm -hmm. That's money you could be getting. So that, uh, how do you, how do you get away from that? Is it subscriptions? Is it, you know, doing the delivery yourself? Like how, what's the comeback to that? Right? Mm -hmm. How do you remember that? I mean, on the one hand, I do think, you know, we are going to see quite a bit of a drop off from that in the future as people get back to normal. Um, like I said, those fees just really turn people off. So, you know, as things open up again, I think they're going to get away from ordering those, you know, single cups of coffee. Uh, but we do see, you know, to some extent on some of these apps that, you know, upselling, you know, uh, the apps really do a good job of offering up options that you may want in addition, you know, um, you know, in the store, um, you know, there's a line of people, you may not be able to offer up, you know, all of these upsells online, you know, every time that I order something, uh, I get this message, you know, locals also purchase these five things, would you like to add it to your cart, you know, um, and so there are opportunities, you know, through those services that, to, you know, also increase sales of other things as well. Um, some of it's, you know, getting to that minimum order as well. So, you know, if that cup of coffee is $5, 
and you hit that $10 minimum order and then you don't have to pay the delivery fee anymore, you know, then consumers are going to add $5 more worth of products to you. But I think, yeah, from a long-term perspective, it is, it's offering those, you know, options like, um, you know, one, I mean, just better prepared food offerings overall, things that really excite consumers. And then two, some of those, um, you know, really, really creative things like subscription services. I think also just, you know, loyalty apps and apps in general, um, you know, one of the things in the C-Store report where a lot of this data comes from that we saw over and over again from consumers is that they're very interested in apps, in loyalty programs from C-Stores. And there still is a large gap between, you know, the consumers who are interested and this number of C-Stores that offer them. And so, um, you know, one, that's a great option, you know, uh, it keeps them coming into the store over and over, whether it's because they're earning points, whether it's because they have so much money on their virtual card there. Um, you know, you can also constantly pepper them with new offerings. You know, uh, we're having, you know, a new LTO for the fall, you know, pops up on their app there. Um, there's just, and, and the data alone, you know, being able to use that data to see, um, you know, which upsells, may, you know, really do well with consumers and things like that. So I, I do, I think there's a lot of, of plays that C-Stores um, can really implement to, to um, you know, get consumers coming back. Erin, do you have anything else you would like to discuss with Mike? No, I think, I think that's good. Mike, thanks for joining us today and for going over all the different ways uh, convenience stores can beef up their delivery programs and subscription programs in an effort to, uh, to navigate all of the changes that we're seeing today. Of course. Yeah, it was great. It was great talking to you guys. Happy to do it. Thanks, Mike. Always enjoy speaking with you and learning more about the, uh, you know, the, the trending in the trending in the food service industry. Always, always good stuff. Thank you. Thank you.